Hey, big boxers. Welcome to On the Shelf, a program that is dedicated to helping you get your products into a major big box retailer. Tim here with you and hope you're having a great day whenever it is that you're listening to this, whether you're out and about or if you are sequestered at home still. But you have family that's in California, a lot of things still in place there. I myself, as you know, am in Florida. Things are opening up. Things are getting back out there. I think it's interesting because everybody has their own way of dealing with opening back up. What are they going to do? How are they going to do it? Are they going to wear a mask? Are they not? My face, my choice. All kinds of crazy sentiment going on out there. But in reality, I mean, do what you think that you need to do. Me, myself, I'm wearing a mask when I'm out in public, when I'm putting myself in and around other people for a couple of reasons. One, I care about you. I care about if I'm uh, somehow carrying this virus, I don't know it, it's not affecting me, I don't want to be the one that transmits it to you. Is a mask going to stop that? I don't know. I'm not an expert at it, but certainly can't hurt. So if I can do a little something to help protect you, I'm going to do it. Also, I have a mother-in-law that we take care of. She's on chemo. And so when I'm around her, I have to make sure that I'm not bringing anything back to her because unlike me, which I probably would survive the coronavirus if I got it. I don't know that for sure, but I'm guessing that it probably wouldn't be the end of me, but it certainly would be the end of her. And so again, I have a responsibility to take that into account with my actions, what I'm doing. And listen, I'm not upset that people are out there saying, hey, if you want to come into our store, you have to wear a mask. That doesn't bother me any more than it bothers me that I have to wear shoes or a shirt. I think it's interesting. I'm all for Costco. I was on the phone the other day with multiple buyers. And uh, we were talking about the stance that they're taking and they are interested in keeping their employees and their members safe. Good. I'm all for that. It's not a big hardship for me to throw a mask on while I'm walking through Costco. Not going to be the end of me. It's not an infringement on my rights. It's not. Any more than when, remember when Costco first opened and they would only take American Express or your debit card, no MasterCard, no Visa, no Discover card. That was not an infringement on my constitutional right. If I wanted to use a Visa, if I wanted to use a MasterCard or a Discover card, guess what? I just didn't go shop at Costco because those were their rules. That's it. Go into a store, says, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Nobody's infringing on your constitutional right. They're trying to create a standard in their restaurant, in their establishment, and they have the right to do that, right to refuse service based on their rules. So listen, if you don't like it, that's all good. If you don't appreciate it or think it's right, that's all fine. You're living in America, 100%, you have the right to feel that way. Just don't shop there find a place that is amenable to how you're feeling, how you're thinking about things, and go shop there. That's it. That's it. But bottom line, people, is we as human beings, we have to be together on this thing. We can't be divided on haves and have nots and mask wears and non-mask wears. And I'm going to 
cough in your face to prove a point. None of that is getting us any further. None of that is helping anything. The fact that you go on uh, social media right now, and man, it is a bloodbath out there. It's a bloodbath as far as how people think and what they're willing to say on social media. I'm just saying, hey, tone it down. Calm it down. It's not making anything better. You want to talk about how you feel? You want to talk about how your rights are getting eroded away? Okay. But hey, make it constructive. Tell them how you're feeling. Don't degrade other people. That doesn't make anything better. That doesn't make you look better, smarter, more educated, more well-informed. It doesn't. Put your argument out there. Hey, this is how I'm feeling personally about the situation. This is what I've noticed, okay? I mean, I, I'm just the same as anybody else. I can get angry. In fact, I was. We, I was at Costco the other day, and uh, I'm sitting there. I'm looking at a product, and somebody just walks right up and stands literally shoulder to shoulder next to me. Our shoulders technically at one point were touching. And uh, in my mind, I was saying, wow, man, six feet is just not as far as it used to be. But I didn't say that. I just simply moved. I could have. I wanted to. I got a little bit angry. But that wasn't going to help it. That wasn't going to make the situation any better. So I just moved. Went on about my business. We're all in the same boat. We're all going the same direction. We want to get through this. It's a process. Whether you agree with the process or not, it's still a process. The faster that we can move through this part of the process, the faster the economy is going to recover, the faster we're going to get back, not to normal, but to whatever our new normal is. And I go by restaurants, people are eating. I go by stores, people are shopping. I go to the mall, people are in there. Maybe they're wearing a mask, maybe they're not. But people are not afraid to get back out there. And I'm so glad about that. It's making me so happy to see that, hey, you're not going to keep us down. This virus is not going to beat us, not going to break us. We're going to get back out there. We're going to do it safely. We're going to honor each other. We're going to stand together, but we're still going to get out there. It's not going to beat us, not going to break us. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Those things were just on my mind. I'm sure they're on your mind also. And uh, I just want you to know I'm with you. I'm rooting for you. I want you to be successful during this time, at this time, after this time. And so, of course, that's what the podcast is all about. That's what we're doing. That's what we're talking about is how do we move forward? How do we take ground? Because there is ground to be taken. All right, so today we're going to get into some question and answer. We haven't done question and answer in a while, so I thought that we would do that uh, with the Facebook Lives we've been doing on, on our uh, private Facebook group, by the way, on the shelf now, private Facebook group. Join that so you can get in on that. But a lot of great questions coming out of that, and so I wanted to share a couple of those with you. The first one, what's up first, is I, I had a question from an Amazon seller. She's just starting to get into selling into brick and mortar she had a, for one of her first discussions with a specialty retailer, just a single owner, wants to buy her product, but he wants to buy it on terms, 30 days, net 30 days. And so her question was, is, should I do that? I don't want to. She's like, I don't want to do that, but should I? Do I need to? Is this what's normal? Is this how things are happening? Is this how things are done? And 
let me preface this answer by one key factor. How badly do you want your product to be in that store? That's it. That kind of overlays everything. If this is a certain store that you've been after, you really want your products in that store, then that is going to direct every part of what you do next. If you don't really care, then that's going to direct everything you do next. If it's a step in your sales story, then that is going to direct how much money you have. Can you afford to lose that money? Is all going to be part of it. The answer that I gave her is no, I wouldn't. It's not enough volume. It's not big enough. It's a first time interaction with this particular specialty retail store. And to me, the risk is not worth it from my perspective. Now, maybe like I said, she'd been trying to get into that retailer for a year now and they finally are letting her in. They just need 30 days. They want to try to sell the product before they have to pay for it. Understood. And maybe she wants to take that risk. I don't know. I don't even know how much her product sells for. I don't know how many units they were asking for. So I don't know how much dollars are at risk here. But here's the thing. If it's a single owner, a specialty shop, they should be used to paying up front credit card for a small shipment and then create a relationship. And by create a relationship, I mean one, two, three orders. On the fourth order, we can start talking about terms. On the fourth order, we can start talking about promotions. On the fourth order, we can start talking about a lot of different things. But right now, I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know your finances. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how you are at paying your bills. I don't know you at all. And once my product is in your store, it's all on me to get that money. It's all on me. And right now, it's just not worth it for me personally to take that risk. It's not worth it for me to put that money in jeopardy, especially right now. Nobody's got money to burn right now. Nobody. Nobody has money to burn right now. So if that person really wants it, they'll pay up front for it, just like they do on hundreds of other products that they do. Do they want net 30? Of course. Of course they do. Who wouldn't? Who, who doesn't want to get something and pay for it later? Of course. That's gold credit. So you have to ask yourself, how badly do I want it? How much is at risk? Am I, and what's going to happen to me if I lose all of that? If it's a small order, your product doesn't cost that much. They're buying 12 units and it's like $26. And you'd rather have it on the shelf than possibly lose the deal. And if you lost the 26 bucks, so be it. Okay. At least you made a solid decision based on facts. Okay. At least you took a look, hey, this is my risk. This is my exposure. If it all goes south, I'm okay with it. I would much rather get it on the shelf right now and be able to say, yeah, we're in this next specialty retailer as part of our sales story, then lose it. So, okay, there you go. I'm not sure how she decided to go. I, I'm not sure which way she decided to, to take it. But my advice was, and my advice to you is, take it into account. Take a look at the risk. Generally, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I would stand firm. Listen, hey, I would love it if our relationship grew to the point where I was able to offer you terms. That would mean that your customers are loving the product. You're selling it. You're selling through it. We've had a couple of orders and we've created a relationship. Now we're actually doing business. Right now, we're not doing business. I don't even know you, but I want to offer you terms. I want to give you net 30. This is what I need to be able to feel comfortable doing that. I mean, if you put it like that, 
it's so much more inviting than just, no, I don't do that. No, that's against our policy. If you tell them, listen, I want to give you terms because here's what terms means to me. And if we get to that point, then we're both in a relationship. We're both doing well. It's mutually beneficial. Your orders are starting to go up and it makes sense. So let's do this. Let's run the first couple of orders on pay up front, take a credit card payment. And then as we build this relationship and we see whether your customers are interested in the product, then we'll move into terms. That's how I would handle that one. All right. Should I uh, do net terms out of the gate on specialty? My immediate answer is no. And uh, that's how I would handle it generally. All right. This is a recent question and it comes up a lot because as you transition from Amazon to big box, as you transition from Amazon to really any retail, one of the things that you have to do is you have to start looking at your packaging. Most likely, you don't have a lot into your packaging. You're sending it into a poly bag. You're sending it in an unmarked box because they've already bought it. You don't need to resell it to them. It reminds me of that uh, movie Dave when they're sitting there, he's trying to cut $600 million out of the budget and they have a program going where they're spending $60 million, can't remember the exact amount, $60 million, whatever it is, making Americans feel good about their American-made auto purchases. And so Kevin Klein's like, so we're spending $60 million making people feel good about a car they already bought? That did make sense. And that's kind of what happens on Amazon, right? So you don't have to put a lot into, it's really more about when they open it, making sure the instructions are there, everything they need to have a good experience. But outwardly, not a big deal, okay? As you move into retail, gonna be a big deal, huge deal, probably one of the biggest deals because your product is sitting on the, on the shelf, people walk by it, they're either gonna notice it or they're not gonna notice it. And, and so it's kind of everything. So when is it the right time to start thinking about your retail packaging? The moment that you decide to expand and diversify into brick and mortar retail. The moment that you start to make that decision, start to think about that. That's when it's time to start that process. And depending on where you're going, depending on if you're going to big box only, or you're going to start out, you're going to create a bigger sales store. So you're going to start out in specialty. If you're going into big box, that's going to take some time, right? It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so you can get away with not actually having the new packaging, just, just renderings in your buyer deck. This is how our packaging is going to look. This is what we're thinking. This is a couple different variations of it. If you're starting out in specialty, you actually do have to get it packaged for specialty. So they can put it on a shelf, put it on a peg hook, hang it on a clip strip. Whatever is they're going to do with it, you're going to have to create that. And so without getting too much into it, what I would do is I, I would make this transitional packaging, uh, packaging that you could also use on Amazon. So you could just transition into this packaging and this is what people get when they buy it on Amazon. This is what people get when, they, when you send it to a specialty retailer. And then your better, more robust packaging is reserved as you start to talk to big box buyers. And it's in, like I said, it's in rendering form only. You would not want to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for new packaging and have it packaged and buy product and have it sitting just waiting for that big box retailer to pull the trigger. I mean, you have plenty of time. You're going to give them lead time, this and that. You're going to have plenty of time to create that packaging for that order. All they really need to see is what does it look like? Kind of what is it? What are you thinking? And then they can also give their feedback, their thoughts on it as well. Make sense? This was kind of a a question that I've been answering 
a lot if you hear me going away from the mic back and forth because I'm looking at my notes here. But this has been not necessarily a straight up question, Tim, blah, blah, blah. It's been on everybody's mind that I've spoken to over the last two weeks. It's been on everybody's mind. And the question is, what are buyers interested in right now? What are they interested in? What are they doing? Where are they going? What's, ha- what's happening? And a lot of it depends on the retailer. Are they already open? Were they open during the pandemic or, or the height of the pandemic? So were they grocery? Were they drugstore? Were they essential automotive? Or did they close down and now they're just starting to reopen? Because there's a humongous difference. If you're just starting to reopen, like you're a Bed Bath & Beyond, or you are a Costco, you've always been open during the pandemic. So both buyers of all those types of retailers are very active right now. You know, if you've been closed, man, you're in an unprecedented situation. You had product in your store that uh, was geared towards a certain time of year that never happened for you. So now you're going to have to deal with, what are we going to do with that? Where's that going to go? So you got to get rid of it. And most likely, you've not been buying a lot of stuff right now, just letting it stack up, waiting for this thing to be open because you didn't know when we're, we're going to open now, we're going to open November, we're going to open January. We didn't know. So now you're kind of behind. And so it's a great time for people like us to swoop in, especially if we have product stateside ready to go, ready to go. This may be an all year round or it's a, it's a product that could help fill gaps and fill holes. It's a great time. And buyers are, in my opinion, from what I've seen and spoken to, buyers are very receptive. What do you got? What's happening? There's a lot of categories, people that are crushing it right now. Fishing, crushing it. Home improvement, crushing it. Anything that you have to do yourself, cooking cookware, cooking utensils, crushing it. You know, I have a client that sells a, uh, something for the kitchen. He's up on Amazon. He's up 200% right now. 200%. Why is that? That's because people are at home. They're cooking. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be cooking in your kitchen, not eating takeout fast food all the time. It's a good thing. I hope it sticks around. I hope it is one of those, I hope it's one of those things where people are like, yeah, you know, I mean, of course, you're going to start to go back and get some old habits going as your restaurants, favorite restaurants open up. But I hope some of what has happened during the pandemic as far as staying at home and cooking your own meals sticks around. It's better for you, much better for you. So there's, buyers are very receptive right now. And you know what's interesting is uh, the buyers that are still at home, it's funny to actually talk to them because when you talk to them before and they're in their office, all kinds of stuff is going on. You know, people are coming in their office or cubicle. They have meetings they got to run to. They have, buy, uh, they have vendors that are coming in and they have staff that require their attention. All these things are going on. But when they're at home, none of that exists. And there's a familiarity with being at home that just kind of makes them, or any of us really, feel more calm. And so I've been actually able to have conversations with buyers when in the past, it's just been, yep, nope, okay, yep, we're going to go here, we're going to go there, yep, give me that, give me this. This time it's been more, hey, how's it going? Oh, yeah, good, no, I'm just doing this, I'm doing that. Much more conversational. So that's been interesting. That's been a change. But just spoke to a Costco buyer in Canada last night, and they're back at work. They've been back at the office for two weeks. But what Costco, at least in Canada, did is they've staggered it. So this guy has a team. It's him. Then he has an assistant. Then he has a, what's called an ICS, which is inventory, inventory control specialist. 
He went back to the office two weeks ago. So he'll be there. By the time his assistant comes back, he'll have already been there three weeks. Then she'll come back. And then another two weeks later, the ICS will come back. So they're kind of staggering it so that it's not just massive amount of people coming back into the office all at one time. I thought that was kind of smart. I was good with that. So depending on what your product is, hey, and people, they need holiday too. So it's a good time. I would, I would get on the phone. I would get out there, push it forward. Okay. So what's going on with retailers right now? They're buying product. They want to get back. They want to start selling. They want to start making some revenue. And I know that you've been seeing, you know, oh, so-and-so declared bankruptcy and this company is going to close. JCPenney's closing 30% of their stores. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. JCPenney's already needed to close 30% of their stores. That already needed to happen, pandemic or not. They were struggling already. This just accelerated it. So if in retail things thin out a little bit, people cut off some dead weight, just going to make them stronger. It's just going to push more people into the surviving retailers, going to boost their business, going to make them more flexible. So don't be afraid of that. When you see, oh, don't think, oh my gosh, retail's ending. It's not ending people. All right. What do we got next? Oh, I have been getting some questions on my VIP Facebook group, which is going to be kicking off the first week in June. Very excited about that. We have let me move this so I can see. If you're watching this on video, you can see I'm fairly not organized. Uh, we have a lot of cool topics that we're going to be covering. And like I said before, in the VIP Facebook group, this is not going to be, hey, check out this article. Hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. It's going to be teaching. And the very first topic that we're going to talk about is the difference between selling to the consumer and selling to a buyer. That is a dichotomy, a dynamic that is so vastly different. And if you're an Amazon seller and all you've been used to is selling to the consumer, one of the biggest mistakes that you make when you try to sell to a buyer is selling to the buyer like they're going to use your product personally. You're trying to sell them your product and you can't do that. So that is huge. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about something called an email snippet. I'm not going to tell you what that is. You're going to have to be part of the VIP Facebook group to find that out. But it's something I noticed recently in emails that we're sending buyers, emails that really you're sending anybody. Something has changed about our technology that's really hampering our email's ability to be effective. And so I think that we've hit on something pretty special there. Let's see, what else do we have? We put together a cold call worksheet. And of course, this is created off of that famous that famous call I made to, uh, to a buyer at a sporting goods store. And because I handle a lot of different accounts, sometimes it's, it's very much cerebral for me. I have to think about who I'm calling. I'm calling for this client, this client. Now, oh, hey, this is Tim from this company or this company. And on this particular day, I was, to be locked for lack of a better word, I was complacent. I didn't have my stuff in front of me. I didn't have uh, the buyer deck up on my screen. I just had a to-do that said, call the buyer from this store for this client. So I did, boom, just going through the motions and I left them a message and hung up. And, and if you've heard the story before, which I've talked about on the podcast before, they called me right back, boom. I mean, just seconds later, my phone rang, I picked it up and it was the buyer and he's like, hey, yeah, this is so-and-so. You just called me, what's up? And I was frozen. I wasn't ready to actually answer that question. I wasn't even apparently ready for him to answer on the first time. Had he answered when I called him originally, I certainly wasn't ready for him to call me back. And I ended up just 
eating humble pie and telling him, listen, I really thought I was going to leave you a message. Didn't expect you to call me back. I'm really not ready to have this conversation. Can you give me 20 minutes? I'll call you back. And he was like, yeah, I mean, listen, he knew what he was doing. He did that on purpose, but who cares? I should have been ready. So I have a, a process now because never was that going to ever happen to me again. I have a process now when I make calls, when I'm calling buyers, I have a worksheet in front of me to make sure that I know what I'm talking about, specifically what I'm talking about, what product I'm talking about, what my agenda is, what I want from that call, even if I'm not expecting them to answer. And so we're going to go over that. That's going to be fun. And we have a bunch of other stuff lined up for the VIP Facebook group. You're not going to want to miss it. It's, it's kind of the podcast on steroids. And the reason it is, is because it's going to be, of course, broadcast live in, in the Facebook group, but it's going to be on Zoom. And so uh, you guys are going to be very participatory. It's going to be like a classroom teaching. We're going to talk about things. It, it could even be called a mastermind, although I'm not calling it that. And uh, I'm really excited to be able to offer it. I'm excited to get into it with you guys. So that's the answer to that question. What else have we got? <laughs> this has happened to me also. So if you have an email template, you're it basically, so you're going from, you know, this is an, an initial introduction that you're going from a uh, big box retailer, to big box retailer, and, and you're pretty much telling them the same thing. Maybe you might tweak a couple of things. What happens as you're using this template if you forgot to take out or change the company name? So you're sending Costco buyer an email that says targeted it. Or if you're sending Bob at Costco an email that says Tiffany in it because Tiffany was the buyer at uh, Bed Bath. What then? What then? Well, it's happened. Yeah, of course it's happened. Now, the good thing is, is that buyers, they really read their emails that closely. And so they may or may not catch it. But the bottom line is you never want your email to feel generic. You never want to make them feel like you're just going out there and just sending the same email to the masses. That's not going to help you. That's not going to make them feel special. That's not going to make them feel like you're really targeting their company for a specific reason. And so what do you do? Well, what I recommend is that you get a program that gives you a moment to take that email back. If you hit send and you're like, oh crap, I didn't change it. And boom, you can undo it. Now I use a program called Mail Butler and that's from, uh, it's a, uh, a European company. It's not very expensive. It works with my Gmail, works with my G Suite and it has a lot of great features in it. And one of those is when you hit send, it pops up and you have like five seconds to undo it if you want to. If you end up sending that, always correct it as fast as you can and send another one. And the reason you do that is because most likely a buyer's email list is like a Twitter feed, man. It's just, you know, emails are just coming in. So chances are they're going to open the first one that they see. And that's going to be the most recent one. And if it groups theirs by conversation, they're always going to click on the one that's newest. And there's a chance, there's a chance that they will never actually even read the one that you sent. If they do read it, they see the mistake, they're going to be like, oh, they corrected it and, you know, sent it right off. It's going to have less impact than if you just did nothing. But the faster you can follow it up with a new email, the better chance that they are not going to read that email before you get the second one off. So if you realize that you did it, hit them with another email ASAP, okay? And then... After that, I have a, an idea for you. Read your 
email before you send it. I know this seems weird. What do you mean? Of course I read it. That's not true. That's not true because I see emails that come to me all the time. Missed words, misspellings, left out words. Read your email word for word before you send it. I know it takes a little bit extra time, but it's worth it. It's worth it for that first impression. It's worth it for how that buyer is going to view you. Sometimes I read it two or three times. I need that email to have a certain impact. I need that buyer to take action. And the last thing I need is for there to be a reason that they don't. Like they got all fired up, they're reading it, and then they says target. And they're like, what? Uh, and then that's over. I don't send buyers emails just for any old reason. I send an email for a specific reason and I want a specific result out of that email and I need it to be right. So take the extra time, reread it, reread it again, and then ask yourself, is this going to give me the result that I need after I send it? And if, if you're not convinced, then tweak it, add to it, change it. But I think too often, because it's easy, you just type it and hit send, boom, 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 hit send. We don't think about the impact. We're just trying to get something in front of them. It's kind of like, and I don't know whether you know this or not, but a, t a tremendous amount of people when they sell things, they call somebody on the phone, you call buyer, whatever. They really want to get off the phone fast. They really want the buyer just to say no and hang up. They don't think that that's what they want, but that's what they're hoping for. Get this over with. I hate cold calling. I just want this to be over. And so they're like, hey, yeah, this is Tim. Yeah, I don't really have time. Oh, okay, click. Then if that's the way you're feeling, and like I said, you have to really analyze yourself because you're not going to tell yourself that that's how you're feeling because you want to sell something. So you're going to be like, no, that's not how I'm feeling. But watch yourself. Watch yourself. Are you wanting the, the conversation to be over? If you are really trying to impact that retailer, if you're trying to offer them something of value, if you're wanting to offer their consumers an experience, then you're going to want to be on the phone with that person. You're going to want to have that conversation. And the longer it goes, the better it is. Don't just check it off. It's not a checkoff. I learned years ago from Tony Robbins that if the end result that you're looking for is to get the buyer at Walmart to buy your product, then just having a to-do that says, call the buyer at Walmart, and then you call and leave a message, or you call them and you get off the phone, and so you can check it off. That's a to-do. It's not a result. And so you still didn't get the buyer at Walmart to buy the product. You're not even close to that. It's because you were focused on checking off that to-do. It's not a to-do, people. It's a result that you're looking for. So if you call the buyer and they're not interested, you still have this result on your list that has to be accomplished. How are you going to do that? How are you going to get that done? Happy to talk to you about that if you want to. But, and I know we're kind of digressing from this situation, but it's pretty common to send out an email that has a mistake in it or has a, somebody else's name in it. Reread your emails. Reread them diligently and ask yourself a couple of things. One, is it all right? Grammatically, spelling-wise, punctuation-wise. Secondly, is it set up to get me the result that I want? And thirdly, what is that result? And maybe switch those around. What is the result that I want? And is the email set up to give that to me? If it's not, you got to redo it, okay? Don't just send people emails. They don't have time. 
to just read BS emails that are just generic and you're trying to just check it off. Hey, I sent that guy an email. Uh-uh. You don't want to send that guy. What you really want is conversation. The email is designed to get them on the phone with you so that you can really tell them what you're doing. So think about that when you're sending out your email. Okay. All right. Well, that's all. That's the questions I had to go uh, into this podcast. It's been great talking to you guys. I know that uh, kind of gone on and on about this and that. And uh, I appreciate you guys sticking with me. I appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. And uh, it's always an honor for me to uh, get in front of the mic and, and talk to you and conversate with you. I would like to do more of that. I would like to have more interaction. And we can do that in the private Facebook group, On the Shelf Now, private Facebook group. You can go to the website, On the Shelf Now. You can leave comments so that we can interact. You can send me an email, Tim at On the Shelf Now or Tim at tlbconsulting.com. Uh, either one of those are going to get to me. But I want to know how you're feeling. I want to know what you're dealing with. I want to know what you're struggling with. I want to know how things are going for you. If you want to get deeper into training, you want to get deeper into learning, there's all kinds of things that you can do. You can go to our courses page on tlbconsulting.com. You can take the newest course we have on, on pitching your product on, uh, via video conference or our course on how to price your product for the U.S. market. You can book a coaching call directly with me you can, like I said, sign up for the VIP Facebook group and, and start getting involved with other people that are t- doing and, and wanting to do what you're doing, right? We're here for you. We believe in you and we know that you're going to be successful. I appreciate each one of you and how you're making it through this time. Someday we're going to look back on this and say, man, that was a crazy time. Right now we're in the middle of it and it, it is crazy. We're dealing with crazy right now. But the fact that you're listening to this podcast means that you want to step out of that. You want to step out of that and you want to move forward. You want to take some ground. And uh, I'm with you on that. I support you. All right, big boxers. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate you. And until next time, look forward to seeing your product on the shelf.